Welcome to episode 11 of the Non-Anxious Churches podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Knight, and the goal of this podcast is to participate in a larger conversation about spiritual health in the local and global church. Churches are not immune to the anxiousness of our world, and at times can even perpetuate it. Thus, the conversation about being and becoming non-anxious churches is vitally important. One in which we should all get engage in and ponder about, especially church leaders and pastors. Today, let's talk about the irony of a podcast. And I have some exciting news to share with you about this project. Welcome to the Non-Anxious Church Podcast, where we're cultivating a church culture that isn't lost in the sea of anxiousness, one podcast at a time. Today, let's start with a question. Why did I get into this? And if I'm truly concerned with platforming an unhealthy hustle culture, why a podcast? Thus, this is why we, I titled it this, The Irony of a Podcast. Well, so why did I get into this? Why did I start thinking about this or, or game planning this or talking about this? Why is this a podcast? Well, I think the origins of this story go way back to when I was even a kid, being a pastor's kid, being around ministry my whole life. I've seen healthy churches and unhealthy churches. I've seen healthy leaders and unhealthy leaders. I've seen uh, different programs come and go, different ministries come and go. I've watched things happen. And and as I grew up, I was watching um, some of my own generation struggle with the church, struggle with what the church should look like, struggle with maybe even their own parents' approach to the church, which we've talked about in a previous episode. Um, even the other day when I was talking with Aubrey, who's our discipleship and evangelism uh, director here at Praise Covenant, she was talking about just her own desire. And she, granted, she's a handful of years younger than me. Um, so she's fully in the millennial conversation. She was talking about her desire to see a messy, messy and authentic church. What does that look like to have a messy and authentic church and where people can be vulnerable and, and church isn't fake? Um, and I think that's a common sort of perception of the church is that church sort of feels like a show or, or fake, or you have to kind of come and be polished. Or if you're not polished, then you have to serve, 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 serve until you're, you're tired and wore out. And obviously watching this happen in my generation and their, their struggle with church created something in me that I've always pondered and thought about and wondered about and, and really tried to especially articulate as I became a lead pastor myself. Well, then even watching in the last 20 to 30 years, pastoral failures, just watching pastors sort of succumb to uh, the sins and temptations of the world and, and really sort of the, the underneath foundation of that. How did that come about? What did that look like? And we also talked about this in a previous episode. What does pastoral failure look like? And, we've, and, and I began pondering toxic churches and churches that struggle, the churches that sort of devour pastors. Um, when a good, healthy pastor shows up and, and the church itself is so unhealthy and so toxic that it ends up chewing up the pastor and spitting him out. 
I'm pondering, what does that look like? Why does this, why, why is this a thing? How did this become a thing? And how, what can you do about it? And then as I became, you know, older in ministry, seeing some of my own friends go through this, see some of my friends make mistakes and failures, see some of my friends get into toxic churches where they were healthy and the church was unhealthy, see some of the, my people I mentor, some of these these young younger people that are coming up and becoming youth pastors or kids pastors or associate pastors or even lead pastors and they're they're finding uh, the frustration of church to be more and more real when they get especially when they get behind the curtain uh, and then really even the phen- the phenomena the growing phenomenon of the dechurched the people that went to church grew up in church and no longer go to church um, and we'll talk we've talked about that and we'll keep talking about that I've also noticed weary and exhausted staff. Some of these de-church people are even worse staff members at church and they got weary and exhausted and burnt out and they just can't do church anymore. They may do Jesus, but they can't do church anymore um, because it's just a place, a source of exhaustion for them, which obviously we've talked about in multiple places uh, with multiple podcasts and, and even watching some church plants take off. And what do the, some of these church plants look like? What do they look like? Honestly, sometimes they look like the mega church up the street that burned everyone out. They're just the same product, but under new management, right? Like we're going to do it differently, but we're going to do it in the same sort of idea, but somehow we'll stay healthier. And, and I just remember thinking, I, I still think about like, is that right? Is that healthy? Is that good? And now don't get me wrong. Not all church plants look like this. Some are truly uh, working hard on creating a new non-anxious church, whether they want to call it that or not. Um, some are amazing, but I'm just noticing a larger trend in these church plants. It's the same toxic atmosphere, just under new management. And I meet more and more people turned off to the church. Some walk away from Jesus too, because they're turned off to the church. They, they chew the meat and spit out all of it, the meat and the bones and everything. Some, some people just leave the church and they still love Jesus. They know he's real. They know he's active, but they just don't know what that looks like and, and what community looks like for them because the church has burned them out. And I've, as I've mentioned, we referred to this in a previous episode and there's so many of these people. Um, some even just are confused about it all. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to go about it and they don't know what it looks like to be in community. And then COVID-19 shows up. And it begins to showcase all of this more clearly, right? Like it brings a lot of this toxicity and uh, failures and struggles to the surface because I'm watching churches and pastors caught up in so many anxious decisions, making weird sort of flip-floppy decisions, running backwards and forth, caught constantly between a rock and a hard place. Many people I even know wanting to quit ministry because of how hard it was and how polarized it was and how many people were tugging at them and pulling at them. I watched pastors and churches long, these pastors and churches that were so caught up in the building more people model, get more people in seats, that they were they were frustrated because they couldn't get people in seats. People weren't coming. And they were trying to make up for it by large online numbers, and yet it didn't feel right, and there's some frustration there, and losing money and all that kind of stuff. And when you build your success around money and people, you get frustrated when you can't have money or people. I was watching pastors and churches that, that get caught up in the claim and the, and the platform and they're frustrated because they don't have that as much as they did before. And, and still we're living in the wake of people not coming back to church. And so we had to ask ourselves, oh, maybe there's something we can do about this. Maybe there's something that, and I began to ask, what does it look like? 
All this to be said. What does this look like? And this is what I was pondering all through the last couple of years. Well, I really, like I said, in the origins, all the way from the beginning of my childhood, pondering what is the what does the church look like, whether I realized it or not. But really in the last couple of years, just really pondering. And so over a year ago, I prepared a little devotional for our leadership team to encourage us to not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, present our requests to God, right? We're caught up in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and people are reacting in vastly different ways and, and, and frustrated and weary and tired. And what are we going to do? And, and I, I remember writing this devotional about Mary and Martha and Jesus saying the words, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious about many things, but only one thing is required. And he points to Mary and says, sitting at my feet, right? And I talk about what does that look like as a church? What's a ch- what's it look like as a church to do that? And I ask the leadership team that. How do we just sit at the feet of Jesus in this season and in every season? How do we become more non-anxious? And this devotional launched me into more writings on the subject, thinking and pondering. I just, I mean, I was obsessive. I was writing down as much as I could, filling up documents on my computer. I'd wake up at night sometimes with more thoughts on what it looks like to be a non-anxious church. And I just kept going, just kept, couldn't stop. I just felt like the the spirit was leading me to think more deeply and harder and and, uh, more intensely about this subject. Because I thought with all this to be said, would a healthier church be something that could actually help combat the anxiousness of our culture where people come and they find rest in our sanctuaries where they come find rest in our community where they come and they find authenticity in in each other and they're able to just see and sense a real and a powerful spirit that gives them peace i began to think about this and and i couldn't stop thinking about it this uh, this elusive concept that that's many so desperately crave in the body of Christ. Because, like I said earlier, there's so many people out there that are looking for this idea of a church that that isn't hustle, isn't weary, isn't exhausting them, isn't caught up in numbers and acclaim and platforms and all that kind of stuff, but just truly wanting to be the embodiment of the body of Christ in a healthy and peaceful and sustainable way. And so I kept writing and talking dialoguing about this. I wrote so much about it that it began to be shaped into a book and then into a podcast, and which is what we're doing right now. And this is the exciting news. A publisher, Whippenstock, has taken up this book project and they acquired it and plans to publish it in the spring or, or, or around there sometime. I still have to get my final manuscript into the editor, but it's done just some final touches on it now, some, some editing and some, some other things to be done. Um, and, and actually one of my mentors who I didn't even mention earlier, Mark Novak, uh, who is retired from the executive board of the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is the denomination our church is a part of. His job was both to help pastors get ordained and remove pastors for misconduct. That was his job in the executive board. And then even help them find a pathway back towards health if they wanted it, if they craved it. Um, He was very helpful and instructive to the thinking of this non-anxious church idea. And he actually, uh, he he helped so much that he even wrote the foreword to it for me. And so, man, I didn't know it would evolve quite like this. I got excited for it once I began to see the shape of it. And I've been just sort of sitting on it, not really sure what God would do with it, Um, especially because, you know, in the book world, 
it's similar to most other the church world that's it's an anxious world out there in the book world you have to have platforms and and followers and uh, influence and all that kind of stuff things that it's just not interest not all that interested in me but i am interested in the message of non-anxious churches and this is big and exciting for the conversation is what matters not the platform if even one church becomes a little more non-anxious it's worth it to get these thoughts and ideas out there and I wanted you all to know first, because you're my podcast family. You're the ones that you're the ones that dialogue with me on this. You're the ones that think about this with me. You're the ones that ponder it uh, on a weekly basis. For this is the non-anxious church family. You're here for a reason. You also believe this conversation is important, which then leads us to another question: Why a podcast? Uh, especially if you're thinking about hustle culture and platforming, doesn't podcast sort of fall in? to this. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not good at this platforming. I'm not good at marketing myself. I'm not good at promoting myself. I don't like, I don't even like that. In fact, I quit Boy Scouts as a kid because I had to pedal around popcorn. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in that. I was not interested in that sort of stuff. And yet I believe so much in the idea of churches being healthier for the sake of the gospel. I'm willing to throw my thoughts into the conversation. And, and this is what I should be able to say. This conversation is larger than what I even have to offer. And that's okay. That's important. In fact, social sciences have talked about this for years. Uh, Peter Stanky is one of them who talks about family system theory in church cultures or systems at large and, and sort of how family systems theory sort of uh, perpetuates itself in the church. And that's why there's some anxiousness. So an anxiety connected to the church is not, a, not something unique to me. Um, but I, I do believe that it's not just social sciences that we should look at, though it is important. I think we should also look at spiritual formation in regards because I think there's a spiritual formation aspect to the body of Christ that needs to be talked about more. And that's where I kind of throw my hat in the ring talking about this spiritual formation side of it, this sitting at the feet of Jesus, this Mar Mary type posture. Instead of trying to do so much for Jesus, why don't we just be with Jesus and allow him to flow through us and that, that what we do becomes out of the overflow of our relationship with him. And so my goals become healthier churches. I want to see healthier churches. I want to see de-churched feeling comfortable again. I remember one of the first times somebody said to me at our church, they said, you know what I really like about this church? And this is a young mom with some kids. She said, this, she said, this church isn't very cool. <laughs> and I wanted to take that as an insult, but I knew what she meant. She was saying like, there's, there's something more real about this uh, church. The reason we want to come here is because there's so many churches out there that are that their whole goal is to be cool, to be relevant, to be hip, and and not like those aren't bad things if they happen sort of organically, but if those are the main goals of the church, then phew, she's not interested, and they weren't interested, and and uh, and being this uncool church, and that's what the D church are often looking for is this a place to be comfortable, a deep breath church, if you will. They can come in and they can take a deep breath. They're not going to be asked to serve the first weekend they're there. They're not going to be asked to give the first weekend they're there. They're not. They're going to just be allowed to sort of God to sort of uh, work in them, transform them, sanctify them, and then they're like I talked about in a previous episode. Their uh, their pressures turn into passions, and then they do stuff because they're passionate about it, not because they're pressured to do it. I want to see more prodigals come home. I want to see healthier pastors, pastors that are anchored in the way of Jesus. They, they don't feel like they have to put the church on their back. They don't have to build the church that Jesus will build it through their, um, through their, uh, their ability to join with him. 
right? To let him do it. And they just said, hey, use me as you see fit, right? I will try to not get in your way. Um, I want to see more healthier pastors. And this may be lofty. This may be a bit lofty, um, but even just a small part, if I can just play a small part into creating a conversation around healthier churches, that's my goal. That's my goal. Praying the Holy Spirit draws others into this conversation. And so that's exciting news. Um, it's exciting news. It's a, it's weird news because there's something uh, strange about this idea of putting sort of myself out there. Um, but at the same time, I'm excited to see what God wants to do in, in creating more non-anxious churches. I want to see what what God has to say because every pastor I share these thoughts and ideas with and every uh, ministry leader I share with, it's a, it, they almost all cry, much needed, much needed because there's so much anxiousness flooding into, a, into our hearts as people just in general and fear and shame and, and uh, just hustle and, and all these things that just where we're not spending enough time abiding in Jesus. And I believe that starts to infiltrate the church. And so let's, as a church, as people, leaders, pastors, churches, sit at the feet of Jesus, abiding his, in his presence, presence and letting him sort of grow fruit within us. May God's will be done in all this. Thank you for joining me on this conversation. Thank you for your for support in this. Thank you for dialoguing and all this, for even sharing your thoughts and all this. I definitely don't feel like I have some sort of universal authority on this. I'm actually pondering the questions as we go, <laughs> and I hope you are too. But I think that's how the conversation needs to get started, is we all can just ponder together, what does it look like to be a non-anxious church? Thank you for joining me this week on the Non-Anxious Church Podcast. I hope you're excited as I am about the news that's coming. The book, Non-Anxious Church's book. I hope this this origin stories even helps you understand my heart behind the project and, and maybe even helps you join in uh, a little bit deeper in this conversation that we can all begin. Because I bet you know somebody that's de-churched. I bet you know somebody that's sort of on the, on the fringes of church that was once there, that they haven't given up on Jesus, but they may have given up on the church. And I hope that all of us can craft a, a beautiful vision of the church in which we all can join in in what God is doing in, the, in his little kingdom outposts that he calls the church. May we lay our anxiousness down at his feet and walk in the freedom and hope that we find in Christ. Hey, now I'd love to hear from you. Uh, some of you have reached out. Others of you still haven't. Hey, if, you're, if you want to add to this conversation or if you want to have some thoughts or if you just want, if you have questions, email me at nonanxiouschurches at gmail.com. Whether you have stories of anxiousness or non-anxiousness and how that's infiltrated the church or just want to, want to share some of your own thoughts. May God bless you on this journey. Thank you for being part of what God is doing in the church and in this podcast. Uh, Let's continue to build a more non-anxious presence in our own life as we anchor ourselves to Jesus and a more non-anxious church as we as a body of Christ anchor ourselves to Jesus.